Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. That there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Matrix. Do you want to know what it is? Yeah, <laughs> what's good? What's good, everybody? Welcome to another week of Exit the Matrix podcast. I am the motherfucking Mo Man, and to my side is my trusted compatriot, my homie. I mean, Drew Law, it's me. Hey, everybody, what's going on? Yeah, what's new in your world? We're happy to be here. We uh, we go through some trials and tribulations once in a while when we try to uh, record this podcast for. For whatever reason, you know, the universe conspiring against us, but because of our joy, uh, the universe will conspire. It carries for us, on. It carries you know? on, my wayward son. <laughs> There'll be peace when you are. I'm not going to finish the rest of that. Okay. Um, so, uh, do we just jump right into it? Let's do matrix? it, man. Enter the matrix. He's going into arrest. Lock. I got him. Now, tank. Now. Oh, all right. So, a couple of things, man. Uh, as uh, as some of you guys may or may not know, the the historic Notre Dame it was burning. Now, again, right, the actual church is not burning. I mean, it was burning, but it's not burning down, right? That's a building made of stone. So that building's going nowhere, right? But the roof burned. And in the past 48 hours, $600 million was raised to uh to repair the damage to the Notre Dame. Now this is interesting to me for a number of reasons, right? One is twice as much money as would be needed to completely revitalize the Flint uh irrigation system, the Flint water system which is actively poisoning American citizens right now. Uh but also just the nature of how much money was raised blows my mind because within that same time period, I mean, it was maybe within the last two weeks, we've had three different African-American historic churches burn in Louisiana, and it hardly even made the news, much less, you know, raised $600 million. $600 million, like, could, like, I feel like you could build a football stadium with six hundred million dollars? No, no, you couldn't. But it, it'd be enough to get you started. Just started? Yeah, no. So How much foot, is it? Football fields are incredible. You, no. I tell you what, you could do. You could build a basketball stadium with six hundred million. Yeah, that you could do. You could. Um, football stadiums are huge, bro. I didn't know about it until um, someone who I volunteer do work with uh told me about it and he was distraught he was like (laughs) you know i can't believe how did it happen and you know i usually am very um i'm very blunt with him because he's like a cool white dude you know and i was kind of like oh yeah well i I really don't care you know (laughs) and i mean i want to care more right but then i think about like i mean the catholic church is one of the wealthiest institutions in the world france is one of the most industrialized nations um and they're not uh, neither one of these institutions should have any trouble financially recouping this loss this is much less bothersome to me than when i think about like you know the the native americans that have their sacred places destroyed so that an oil pipeline can come through like there's no money that's going to come for them and those things are just as sacred and they're just as old but they're irreplaceable and they're not gonna i mean at the same time al-aqsa right that's the third holiest site in the islamic tradition am i correct 
Like it's a super, it was burning literally at the same time and I couldn't get any, hardly any news on the mainstream news about the Al-Aqsa mosque burning. Well, I... It's definitely older than... No, it definitely is, but I think it, this has to do with, um, you know, if if we comment and say, you know, we don't feel like the, uh, Notre Dame should have um, charity given to them. Look, y'all can fix it. No problem. I, I'm right. not rooting for its destruction. I, I, I would never do that to any building of any kind. But like you were just saying... How many holy sites are, te- are tearing down from white supremacy? And or this is capitalism? what white supremacy really is, right? It says this thing has value. This thing is worth saving. Right, yeah. right. So that's why, like, for me, it's like, I don't even care. Like, I just don't even. It, it, anyway, what's next? Yo. Let's just move to the next thing. <laughs> oh, did you, read the, uh, did you read the letter from Obama praising Nipsey Hussle? <laughs> no, you... tell me about it. <laughs> tell me about it. Why would he uh, do that? Because it's the clout chase, man. It's the clout chase. Now, again, right? This How many the... people are trying to make a name off this man's death? No, facts. When is it going to be enough? Facts that people that would have never associated with him in life. Obama hanging out with a person that is an active... Like, you can say what you want about, you know, Jay-Z. Jay-Z was so far away from the streets by the time him and Obama are hanging out. And, and also, Jay-Z did sell drugs, or so he claims, right? But gang violence, that's a whole other thing, right? And this is Nipsey Hussle's like Mr. Crip, <laughs> like still actively associated with the rolling 60s all the time. When has Obama ever had anything to say about somebody that's connected to the gangs? Well, what's interesting to me is you have um, a lot of people who, you know, love to quote Malcolm X or quote a lot of uh, people who were outside of the, you know, major political spectrum after their death, you know? Like, you know, we can get deeper into the rabbit hole, but it always seems like once someone is eliminated and they can't um, pose a threat, they can't pose a threat, then their story comes out and they get to dictate the narrative. I mean, look at it's the uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi principle, right? They become much stronger in death than they ever were in life, you know. But his legacy is changing already. I I see it before. I see it's like MLK all over again. Yeah. And it's the same treatment that's being done to him. Like and it's. It's one of the things that I know people are not going to um, evaluate within themselves because I have never seen. Let's we got today is the call of spade a spade Man. day. If you can't tell by my energy right now, um, you know, like the clout chasing even in death is really a dangerous thing. Like you are trying to build your reputation for somebody whom you don't even know that well. Like I t- I'm a Nipsey Hussle fan and I'm not like out here claiming that I was crying. It hurt me in a things. deep way. It man, hurt but me. I haven't wrote no poems about it. I'm you know, not, you know what I'm saying? Because even because I understand that I'm a Nipsey Hussle fan to right. a point. Right. I, you know what I mean? And like it's it's. How I feel about it is a private thing. It's disingenuous, man. Yeah, facts. P- and and facts. like at the end of the day, this man, this is a, just a, a person that lost his life that's and you got to understand the reasons why the matrix when we talk about exit the matrix but the matrix is what killed him yeah. and the matrix is exists because he became he, a very dangerous he, black man he cannot win not yeah. with what he's doing he cannot win yeah so let's anyway, keep it moving man let's, let's keep, keep it moving. moving all right so like uh there, this was a this is a very good week for cheeto mussolini uh in this week julian assange and Michael Avenatti were both charged. Okay, who's uh, Julian Assange and who's Michael Okay, Avenatti? so Julian Assange, when Chelsea Manning uh, released these documents uh, about war crimes that happened in the Iraq war under W, 
under Debya. Chelsea Manning was releasing documents about international laws that were being broken by the Bush administration. Uh, and so they released those documents to Julian Assange under WikiLeaks, which published this. Now, originally, this is how Chelsea ended up in, in prison for years for years uh and it started out under she's w. back in prison now too right that's a fact uh solitary because they refused to comment further on what happened with julian assange now what this tells me is this is why snowden knew like when they were going to do their whistleblowing if you'll remember the first place they went china right china was like i don't want no parts to do with none of this shit but they did copy the data, and then they kicked his ass out. <laughs> and then after that, he was offered, uh, he was asylum. Asylum. Asylum in Russia, right? But, like, uh, Snowden originally had no desire to be in, who the fuck would? I mean, look, Moscow is probably a great place to be if you're a fucking billionaire. But if you, like, a little fucking Cossack with, like, not tons of fucking money, like, that doesn't seem to be the world's greatest place to be. But we tie that all together with Michael Avenatti, who has, for the last year, been a little bit of a rising star, kind of a dark horse candidate for, like, maybe the Democrats. Came out, was a fighter, came out, got into a couple of really big fights with, uh, like, Carson Tucker, little racist ass, you know, went really hard, was the defender of um, Stormy Daniels, uh, was a defender of one of the people that had claims against uh, Brett Kavanaugh and would come out. Didn't they say he was on MSNBC a hundred times? More than a hundred times. That's that's intense, man. That's really right? that's really someone fighting for that like liberal agenda. Right. And so this was a person that really, really was trying to charge in there. And if you think about it, this would have been at the time a really smart play for the Democrats against Cheeto Mussolini. You're going to have this lawyer who is a self-made, scrappy, handsome white man who has been defending sex workers and, you know, has made a career out of going against these ultra conservatives. And man, they lit his ass up. He he's now being charged with uh, trying to, uh, what was it, extort money from from Nike, which I think he was trying to do. He probably was. And but this is the story, though, when we, we talked about that whole thing and no one is talking about the actual controversy over what was going on with Nike. We'll talk about that later. We'll right, talk right, about right, that right. later. But he's facing hundreds of years, bro. That's, hundreds that's of absurd, years. man. They're charging him with embezzlement. Like, you can tell clearly once he took his shot at Cheeto and missed, Cheeto reloaded and emptied the clip. Yeah, right? I think this was um, one of the Democrats' new experiments. They're, they're, they're trying to figure out they're 10 years too late, but they're trying to figure out what way they can challenge the status quo that will appeal to their base you know the right. the, the the far left or what um you know whatever it may be do you think the democrats are really interested in the far left i, don't. I think they're interested in winning elections i so, don't i really don't i think they're interested in maintaining the position that they're at right now if, if they had to change to win elections i think there's zero desire to do okay, that. okay maintaining power i right? think that they're interested in maintaining power i mean nancy pelosi dissed aoc this week and said there's only like five democrats in the aoc wing of the democrats and how important it is for them to hold center even though they keep losing serve trying to hold center like they and i think they're perfectly perfectly willing to continue to lose elections if it means that they get to hold on to the values that they have yeah right now. but but uh michael avenatti was one of them he's a centralist well he wanted to be one of them he's far to the left of yeah like, but you don't think that they were sitting there with their mr burn hands going let's see what this guy has i'm sure that they were and <clears throat> i'm sure he was a dark horse i'm sure there were energies and maybe wanted to but i definitely don't think the establishment wanted him to be if the he face. blew up 
Right. If he blew up, do you think they would have stopped him? Right. He would have no, been like, he would have been with the shits. Right. He would have been like the Buddha judge. Like Right. We'd be hearing all these stories about Michael Abinati. Look at him. He's a lawyer. He's been defended. But now, like, this man has been charged with domestic abuse. It starts to make him look like almost like a, like a pimp, man. Like, he was connected to all of these sex workers, and he's got all of these lawsuits working for them, and he's extorting a fee, and essentially he's the protection racket. Can I ask you a question? Sure. How is it possible that a straight white male can still be a viable candidate in the Democratic Party at this point? Because they don't want to be the face of how white supremacy came to an end. They, and that's why, like, right now the Republicans have a a huge advantage. The Republicans are willing and able to go to their base and be like, we're trying to preserve the hegemony of white America. The Democrats are like, oh, that's terrible and racist, but secretly they believe. It's the party of Andrew Jackson. Never forget that the Democrats were founded by Andrew Jackson. And no matter what they say about the flip, when they talk about the great flip of the 40s, 50s, and 60s, I say, well, yeah, well, sure. Then when did uh, reparations become the great charge of the Democrats? If we're talking about, you know, oh, they, the Southern strategy and the Democrats became the Republicans or Republicans became, you know, you got a couple of guys throwing that out now as candy, but they don't really mean it. So, no, man, they're totally okay with losing. I think they're, I think there are far more Nancy Pelosi's uh, in the Democratic Party than Ilhan Omar's or AOC's or any of those people. Even Jimmy Carter, bruh. Think about the fact that President Obama never once used Jimmy Carter as uh, as a resource, yeah. right? This is one of the most liberal, probably the best liberal Democrat president in the past 50 years. He, re- just this week, uh, was on a phone call with Donald Trump, and Donald Trump was like apparently like worried about China, like trying to get some advice which is fascinating to me that he would call Jimmy Carter of all people. And Jimmy Carter was on record of saying the United States is the most warlike nation in history. Well, you have to, if you just look at the stats, man, the numbers ain't even going to lie. He straight up said to to Trump, you know, how many wars has China been in since 79? How many wars has the United States been in since 79? And that just blew my mind. Isn't it like um, the United States of America has basically been at war for like 87% of the time? Yeah, something like that. It's only been like out of the 300 years of America and the colonies, really, right? It's only been like 40 years where there was peacetime, you know, and that's something that's really fascinating. Like how can you not take about. that? How can you not take that as something that you should look at? It's hard to look in the reflection, you know, it's hard to look. It's easy to look, you know, across the, you know, um, across the oceans, you know, and across the, the, the borders and stuff and, and point fingers at people, man. But the United States government is a, a pretty intense entity. It could be the most dangerous entity the world has ever seen. What, what you, it's, it's certainly the most powerful, right? But what do you say about a kindergartner that has fights with everybody in, in the class? Sooner or later, it's not the kids in the class. It's the kid that keeps having the fight. And that's just something to think about, right? Now, you were telling me a little bit about the Nike thing. You were helping me understand that with the Michael Avenatti so, thing. So, yeah. So, Michael Avenatti, he um, tried to extort Nike for reports <clears throat> of their paying high school athletes or giving them gifts because we live in a weird capitalist society that excludes athletics as, you know, some some bastion of, you know, amateurism or whatever it is, even though we are we all know that high school basketball players 
me are say very significant to the schools that they go to and probably we we've been talking about the college income you know high school students are are so incredibly talented that they're drawing large groups of people to come watch them so <clears throat> all these different things are happening with college athletics and high school athletics and Michael Avenatti was trying to extort Nike for these reports so what's interesting is uh, I know you're not a big big sports guy but right. I'm a huge basketball guy uh, I have a basketball podcast coming out soon. I'll talk about that at another time. Uh, plug, plug, plug. Um, but um, he, you know, right now one of the biggest conversations in basketball is surrounding a player named Zion Williamson who's from uh, Duke University. He was a um, YouTube star, and he's turning out to be not only a YouTube star but one of the best basketball players uh, at his age ever in history. Um, and he was playing basketball at Duke, and Duke is sponsored by Nike. One of the shoes that he had um, were faulty, and when he was running down the court, the number one basketball player in the country, playing for Duke University's Duke University, his shoe completely rips open, wow. and, he, and he tears his ankle up. Oh, shit. And Nike sends a plane down the next day, bruh. Wow. To, uh, to North Carolina. And is like trying to smooth it over with him while all these other shoe companies are jockeying. So you think Avenatti, I mean, if not this, something like this? I think that whatever information he had wasn't about Zion Williamson, but Zion Williamson was a part of what was going on there. Real. And I think that this is just a real connection that you can have. When you have different perspectives, you know, I'm a big sports fan, you know, we all have different types of fandom. And I think right. that's what's interesting about this podcast is when we come together, all these subcultures that we've been a part of for so many years that we understand on a very intricate level. I remember you were telling me your dad was saying that, you know, B.B. King was kind of like he was commercial, you know, he was kind right. of a, was a poser. A, you know what I'm saying? Dad was a guy who uh, grew up in, in northern Mississippi, listening to people like Robert Johnson you know, his whole life, you know, I mean, for him, a guitar player so good, they, they thought he had to had sold his soul. Uh, well, you know, there's actually so that actually there's there's a lot of metaphor in that, man. And, and yeah. that's deep cut black shit. So like, what do we talk about all the time? Right. Think about these podcasts that are out there and there are seven, seven thousand, eight thousand downloads per episode. Right. They're selling their soul because they're yeah. talking about, you know, this is my cat. This is my dog, like these super non-offensive, super mellow things. And so this was a man who was revered in black culture and was always going to be a god in black culture. He chose to take that culture to white America for financial gain. He sold his soul. Yeah. And it's, it's a huge metaphor. We're back, we're back to... Uh to the bb king thing right so dad. like when my dad is growing up in like you know so when he goes to the south side and he's seeing guys like muddy waters you know what i'm saying to him that's what represents the truth of it so then you see somebody that's kind of poppy with it you know what i'm saying which to, i mean by his perspective by his perspective right it is right to me i'm like wow bb king is really great you know right so that's what we talk about okay so if you don't know you probably do me and uh me and Moman are both poets, you know. So um, we have a very uh, high understanding of this particular subculture right. because not only are we in the subculture, we are innovators within the culture. So we see it in that perspective. And that's what I think all of this comes back to. These are intense subcultures that we all have intimate knowledge about. And we have to move through the world sharing intimate knowledge that is devoid of 
this malaise of matrix that is wrapped all around it, you know. Um, so <clears throat> anyway, I forget Let me what ask you're talking a question. about. <laughs> well, we're talking about the, the way it connects to Avenatti and Nike. Avenatti and Nike. My Nike. question is, though I'm not a big sports fan, I do understand the systems in play, right? And what I've never understood is these are kids that are forbidden from going and getting regular jobs. Like these kids can't even go work for McDonald's. You know, you 15, 16 years old and you're in some high school and you're a prospect. You can't even go out. Or Is that already in place? Or is that once you get to NCAA? Well, no, I think you can have a job. I mean, a lot of these guys do get jobs. Like okay. they work, like a lot of basketball players or whatever, they might have like little jobs at the um, athletic department or something. I thought the NCAA the disallowed student athletes from having jobs. They might, you know, actually, I don't know, man. Well, my question is like in, a, in an era of, of free markets, I don't understand how that's possible at all, right? Because if these are people that are old enough to have a job, right? At McDonald's, Walmart, any other place, you know, it then seems they're not going to be compensated for their labor, which is literally generating billions of dollars. Then it should be nonprofit for all of that stuff should be free. Absolutely. Because in a world of hyper capitalism, which we live in now, these people deserve to be paid. People get paid. How, how much do child actors get paid? Absolutely. I mean, and they're My far baby younger. Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Been clocking checks. Since how much? E-T. Do you remember? Did you ever watch? Um. Stranger Things? I did not. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, cool. I don't know how old those um, the young people are that right, are on right. the show, but they're kids. Right. You know, and I can they sh- they can and should labor be getting is worth compensation. Big money always. So I'm look like I was saying uh, before, like LeBron James' son, LeBron James Jr. is going to a high school right now. The number one prospect in the country is also attending that high school. Those players just brought a significant amount of revenue to this entire Facts. city. Facts. And they will not be compensated at all. But guess what's going to happen? Like they're going to charge for that. They're going to have they're going to sell merchandise from that high school. All these things are going to be given to that high school because they came and no one will see that profit that are that that are creating. It's the same thing I was talking about with Vince McMahon and the wrestlers. Right. You can't have wrestlers that are contractors when the whole point of your institution and your your organization is to watch people wrestle wrestle wrestling wrestlers are the most important thing right in your organization look if labor generates wealth then labor should be compensated especially we're in an era where money can create wealth influence can create wealth the only thing that's not creating wealth is labor and labor is the one thing that the poor people always have to give that's inherently problematic to me i think about uh, it was just this week that some of those sanctions on Russia have finally been removed, right? Which good on them, because I don't feel like that was something that ever should have been a big deal. Like, Russia's doing what Russia does, you know what I'm saying? There's no threat to the United States in any obvious way. So for me, the whole adversarial position of sanctions seemed weird. But the same week that we get that, Mitch McConnell, who is the Senate Majority Leader and the Kentucky Senator, all of a sudden, a Russian magnate puts $200 million worth of money into revitalizing Kentucky Industries. That sounds like the government governmenting. That sounds like <laughs> quite a coincidence, doesn't it? Yeah, no, And none of that's does. even illegal. None of that's even... So, like, if just that influence was worth that much, how much more is some labor, someone who's literally putting their body on the line, every time you go up to dunk that ball... You're putting your life in physical jeopardy. Can I ask you a question, my sure. friend, my 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 true friend? I love you, man. Can Let's I just do. can I Let's give you a dab right now? Yeah, man, dabs. Yeah, no. Um, when I was coming up in the game, when you were coming up in the game as a young person, what kind of contributions, if any, did you have to give to your parents? 
Oh, everything. Everything that, uh, everything that, uh, I mean, because that's the thing about being a poor black kid, right? Com we taught community so early on in the black family. This is why, like, it blows my mind when I see these hyper-individual fucking black kids, because that wasn't my experience. We all pretty much had little side gigs. I remember early on handing out flyers for, you know, money, you know, and, like, all of that money, all of that money went you straight back to the family. You certainly weren't getting money. No. So, um... I I grew up in a very similar situation. Not only was I giving my parents, uh, you know, actual tangible money, right. you know what I'm saying, for bills at the age of 14 or 15, even before then, actually, right. but consistently at that age, I was giving my parents, like, a emotional support, you know? Yeah. Like, like, my parents was going through it the whole time, and I had to, like, take the brunt of that while I'm working, while I'm doing all these things. When you can give somebody, and I'm not saying LeBron James Jr. needs the money, but in capitalism, it doesn't matter whether you need it or not. You it get has it. value. But but there are a lot of players that are coming up in the game that I'm not saying are rich or poor, whatever it is, but could use some money. And gar I guarantee you, they're going to give their parents some money. Because if yeah. I got money, even, if, even though my parents was driving me crazy and doing crazy shit, I still love them and I was going to make sure my household was good. And a lot of people can survive. And a lot of people talk about, oh, the parents, the parents, the parents, the parents need to do better. Like, parents are struggling. And, like, when you can hook up young people for doing a job that's important, that's getting people paid, that's keeping everyone hype and, and, and uh, you know, a part of this community, something like basketball, like, they need to be compensated. And everybody, it should be like that for anyone, man. How many times do we exploit, let's be honest, how many times do we exploit young people for poetry or athletic oh it's just my way of styling on them. oh we going to styling on them damn it all right all right so um i'm gonna get i'm gonna throw this alley-oop to you so we were listening to um this song uh i forget who the name is but the one that's like you're just somebody that i used to know <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I'd never like I had heard the song before because bruh. I think how many millions of views did it have? Billions, bro. Like a, it had one point two billion views just on YouTube alone. Blowing my mind. Now I can't think of any other song that this artist did, but I'm sure they had some. But even if they don't, bro, that's just enough Vivo fucking plays that the residuals have to be ridiculous on that and ask yourself what makes that song so fucking great can bro. you do me a favor while sure. i'm talking can you look up the lyrics to that song oh absolutely <laughs> all right so hey let's so, so analyze this, and this there's is, some other think about some name some of the other fucking stalker anthems and we're gonna we're gonna circle it back to somebody that i used to know all right well i definitely think uh the most obvious one was the police um where what's the song? I'll be watching you. I'll be watching you. Every every step you take. No 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 no. Every breath you take. Oh my god, bitch! I'm gonna watch you Dude. breathe. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna watch you sleeping and I'm gonna watch you breathe every breath. I'm gonna, and the ones I can't see, they will be recorded for a later use. You know what I'm saying? And I I heard this somewhere that like I remember this was way back in the VH1 days back in my I'm an old millennial you know I don't talk about it but I am an old millennial VH1 and they would be on there and they would be like oh I'll be watching you is the number one played song at weddings and you're like why it's a creep anthem super creep have you pulled up the lyrics yet I have all right can you read um somebody that I used to know don't 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 now and then when I think we were together like when you said you felt so happy you could die told myself you were right for me 
but felt so lonely in your company. Man. <laughs> but that was love, and it's an ache I still remember. You can get addicted to a certain kind of sadness, like resignation in the end, always the end. So when we found that we could not make sense, well, you said we could still be friends. But I'll admit, I was glad it was over. But you didn't have to cut me off. Make it, make it like never happened and that we were nothing and that I and I don't even need your love but you treat me like a stranger and that feels so rough no you didn't have to stoop so low have your friends collect your records and then change your number I guess that I don't need that though now you're just somebody I used to know you're just somebody I used to know you're just somebody I used to know now and then, I think of all the times you screwed me over, but had me believing it was always something I'd done. But I don't want to live that way. Reading into every word you say, you said you could let it go. And I wouldn't catch you hung up on somebody that you used to know. But you didn't have to cut me off! Make it like it never happened, that we were nothing, and I don't even need your love, but you treat me like a stranger! And and that feels so rough. Now I can't let this continue. <laughs> I can't let it go on any further. Bruh. But the whole joint is like... Um, this shit is creepy as fuck, bruh. Yeah, I think it just has to do with um, sometimes like when people... Okay, so when people break up, this is my uh, experiential truth. When people break up, there's like five real breakups that happen after the initial breakup. Mm. You go through it, it's this big thing, you come back, you have makeup sex, you are on a weird term for somebody for a little bit, you break up again, you go a couple weeks without seeing each other, you have makeup sex again, all kind of different toxic bullshit that I am no way judging anybody for because I've done it myself. Like, when that shit happens and someone's like, doesn't respond to you and shit like that, you got to move on. Yeah, man, but it's because people feel entitled. Right, right? it's an entitlement, but it's a part of the societal back relationship. back to masculine shit. toxicity. This is okay. why I have a big problem. People talk about my poly shit all the time, polyam, and we'll come back to that because that's definitely a podcast worth having a conversation about. But one of the things I do all the time is I try to fucking condition myself not to say that women are mine, right? They're not mine. They're theirs. They're theirs, and they choose to gift me with themselves so long as they do but i understand at any given moment this person has the right to take back that gift that's the problem that's happening in this song this person can't believe this person has ex has exerted their agency and set out i mean to the point where this person has had to change their number friends have had to get in like a barrett bro you sound like fucking star lord bro let her go bro yeah nah, and i think that's a part of like when we talk about masculinity and like talking about our privileges as men like you, you got to call a spade a spade and we're all a part of that and that's what we were talking about like the unlearning process like very important as we move through the world as a man i don't have to when someone says something about you know patriarchy like i don't need to come rushing over and like Bruh. give my two cents like relax man like we're men so especially like we're not given uh we, we are seeing through the lens of that you know, as lens of masculinity as we walk through the world. You understand your privileges. You understand, you know what I'm saying, the oppressive things about you. You understand everyone else is going through that. You know, uh, all, like we always talk about, you always talk about lenses, you know, mm -hmm. like the intersectionality lens, you know. It, it's it's a great lens, you know what I'm saying? Not the only one, but it's a great one. It's a very strong one, and it works in a lot of situations. Critical, are you always, critical race theory, I was looking that up, you know what I'm right, saying? Right. And I remember you always right. talk about that too. These are all lenses, man, and they can provide... 
you know, benefits for ourselves to look within and go, look, I totally understand everything that's going on There's around me. There's a sociological phenomenon that's happening that makes all of these songs so popular. When you're talking about somebody that I used to know, or I'll be watching you, or even don't you want me, baby. Like all of these songs where these dudes are like, why the fuck you don't want me no more? And it like, I love the ones where the, the women actually have verses like, man, because really you was kind of like a fuck boy. Bro. Every single time. Every time <laughs> that a woman gets a verse on one of these stalker anthems or creep anthems. Like, you immediately understand why she didn't want to fuck with dude no more. If right. his lyrics didn't give it away in the first place. Right. They always get to come and play that game. You know what I'm saying? But like all these incel motherfuckers, man, what they hear is like, nah, man, that's how that fucking chick did me, man. She fucking, she said we were going to be fucking friends and shit. And I, I don't even love her no more, man. But she should fucking love me. I was fucking great to her, man. Yo, I was watching this, um... Uh, one of these YouTube videos, and it was talking about how often the what do they call the hero's journey? Like, right. like the hero's journey. The the a lot of times in these movies, it's a man ca- catching their wife cheating. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And it like allows it allows them to like have this new life or have this new thing. And it's like, come on, like you understand that. You know, this is just a trope to make like women look ba- poorly here. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, God like, forbid she exercise her sexual autonomy. And right? we need to talk about the consensuality, man, of, of of sex and like people who have sex and 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 you know what I'm saying? Strip clubs and these things that I think people think are you know, uh, salacious or whatever. enjoy their sexuality, bro? Why Cersei got to sneak fuck boys through the fucking service entrance to get her fuck on? This is the queen of the fucking seven realms, bro. If she wants to fuck you on, why motherfuckers got to judge? Yeah, I man. said I didn't want to marry you yet. I ain't saying once you break my ass off. Is the shit, is things consensual? Are y'all coming to, are y'all having, uh, you know what I'm saying, a, a consensual experience? Okay, the rest of it is none of y'all business, man. Do you want to do, okay, if I, I have been to the strip club, I can't go anymore because I literally just, I like to have money when I go to the strip club. Yeah, and like right now, I'm, I'm motherfuckers trying to, broke, I'm, I'm trying to buy a house right now. <laughs> That's just facts. So I'm not running to the strip club, but I do, I do enjoy it, you know, in my own way. Hmm. And when you, when you there and it's, you've been there before, it's a loving environment. I'm not saying fuck boy shit doesn't happen there, but there are a lot of apparatus is involved apparatus involved to allow those things not to happen these are all consensual things it's not up to you to decide morality and ethics of what people are doing is it oppressive no all right then it's cool hey let me ask you a question bro yeah i was joking about that cersei shit how you feeling about season eight so far uh i think any uh, characters that stand out to you (laughs) anybody you want to see get the axe somebody you feel like is gonna live somebody that stood out in that in the episode maybe I, i well i'll tell you this I um I think that at some point uh we are gonna have to a see some of the Dothraki involved hundreds in some of capacity. thousands of Dothraki and we don't know a single Dothraki's name. We saw the Unsullied come in. We know one Unsullied. God, we know one Unsullied. Out <laughs> of eight thousand niggas. And 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 the thing about it is is Daenerys's camp is not ever taking a loss, like a real loss. They right. just have these little losses, and like if she don't get to a like maybe possibly. Drogon, who, who could it be, you know? Um, first of all, can I ask you a question? Sure. How the hell are dragons sneaking up on people? Man, because of plot convenience. Hi, Dave and Dan, you motherfuckers suck. How many times? Damn, do- bro, they actually missed Martin more than we do, bro. When <laughs> he was able to fill in the script. So can I just say this because I, I don't want to get stuck on Game of Thrones here. Season 8 is going to be just like Season 7. No. Seasons, yes, shut your mouth. You know it's Fuck. true. You're in denial. I'm going to watch it. We're going to watch every moment. But let me tell you what the, what the deal is. 
Season seven was them saying, we got the actors, bruh. We got the cinematography. We got the music. There's so much good around here. Mm. Let's just take a couple scenes that we want to have, create those scenes, and then we'll write write to all the plot points to get there. And, you know, character uh, character development and uh, evolution and, you know, natural consequences be damned. Yeah. And I'm, like, not with that, man. But I'm going to still watch it. There, there were a couple of moments that really stood out to me in the first episode, man. I thought, uh, for me, man, Kyburn, I feel like, is one of the really underrated characters in the show. Like, who really kind of seems to give a damn. Like, he's the fucking, he's the smart dude that made good. Like, the fucking Citadel didn't want to see a nigga get on, you know, but he persevered. You know, he went through it, and now he done bubbled up and shit. And, like, he even came to fucking Braun on that shit. Like, hey, bro, I was a broke motherfucker with a dream, bro. Cersei made this shit happen for a nigga, you know? And so, like, but what was crazy to me was, so, like, Bron is getting it in or trying to, and they, like, all relatively uninterested, which is something he's never been used to, not being the most interesting person in the room, right? And so, like, then homegirl looked uh, Kyber straight up and down and was like, hey, you know, I kind of fought with older men, bruh. And it, I wilded out in the episode because I'm like, damn, Kyber really kind of looked her up and down. She leaves the room and he looks at Bron and is like, poor girl. She'll be dead within a year of the pox. And Brown is like, oh, shit, no, no. That was, that was, that was necessary. I thought for that a was second, necessary. I was like, damn, Kyber really about to turn one. Like, he really looking at her. So, I don't know. So, we're giving you a bunch of media talk today. Um, just because I think, I guess the beginning of the show was so heavy. So, let's, we're going to continue the media talk. I mean, April is just a great month for, for fucking media, bro. All right, can I tell you the, the three things that I'm super hyped about, um, for April? Right. So, we just talked about one Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Uh, number two is my favorite, uh, uh video game in, in the world, Mortal Kombat 11. Mortal Kombat. Super excited. And the next one, uh, the third thing is Marvel. Avengers Endgame. Oh, it's not Shazam? <clears throat> no, it's not Shazam. Wisdom of Solomon! You are so... Such a DC hater. Oh, Hatred my. of the moment! God. Hey, that nigga got his power from me. I'm the H. <laughs> <laughs> Man, don't feed the trolls. First rule, baby. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so what we're seeing is, I think, do you think a competent, fun Thanos to watch? Did you see a competent and fun Thanos? fucking right absolutely i agree so we saw a great villain in thanos a powerful villain we assume there is going to be some form of him being defeated maybe not for good but definitely stopped for the moment uh or or a significant amount of the future that got us to thinking what is your next marvel big bad do you a think is gonna be and B, who would you want it to be? yeah so i mean it really depends on what they want to do right if they want to lean out and go cosmic Right, because they're introducing so many more, like Adam Warlock. Right? Can you give me what they want to do? What do you you put yourself? You're Kevin Feige, and you're you're talking about the next big bad. Put I want you to look into his mind state and tell me what he's thinking right now. Right. So Marvel to me has always went with a multiple strategy. Right. So what I would do for the next phase is go with a really big Earth bad. And a really big cosmic bad. And we can't get to the cosmic bad preparation because we have to deal with the earth bad, right? So my cosmic bad would be Galactus. And and how I would do that in Endgame is maybe just a very small Easter egg. Like, 
you know, maybe Rocket, Raccoon, like, damn, you know, this is, reminds me of the time we had to fight Galactus, or, you know, just some really, like, a throwaway line, and we all gonna lose our shit, you know what I'm saying, but meanwhile, now that we've introduced people like Black Panther, and Regents, people that have political power, as well as superpowers, to me, the obvious Earth bad, introduce Latveria, introduce Doctor Doom. Yeah, I, uh, I know, I know, Doctor Doom is a really cool character. Uh, you know how I feel about it. I just think it's just been done too much, you know. Done badly, right? Yeah. But Spider Man was done badly until it wasn't. Okay, that's a good point. That's a good point. I um I would I would like to see uh Marvel go with something um a little different, a little more chaotic, you know. I, I think what you're seeing DC do is kind of dive more into the Marvel formula. And I, you saw that with Shazam. Oh, I saw that. You saw that. I saw that with Shazam. <laughs> this guy no is more uh, my fucking money. I tried, yeah. man. I gave them so many chances, bro. Sooner or later, man, you just gotta. I'm not taking your class. I respect your decision. However, I enjoy Shazam. I understand. <laughs> uh, but when it comes to Marvel, I'm ready for. Uh, something a little bit uh, a, a little bit le- left turn um, or uh, out of left field kind of situation where I would like them to go get a character that could be used for cinema. I, I don't see Galactus as something that I'm trying to see for cinema. It's just too much of a CGI fest. He's, he's far too powerful, um, and he's not relatable in any way. Uh, I think Galactus has to be either done. With, by the extension of his heralds, aka Silver Surfer, right? Um, which has also been done before as well and done done poorly, done bad. Um, but I think we have great. It would I would feel much more inclined to watch a CGI Silver Surfer run around and do things and mention Galactus, and we see a hint mm. of Galactus. Um, but I would love to see a super powerful mutant come into play because. I think people don't really understand how mutations can create an incredibly po- powerful character. So what character would you bring in? I'm going to go uh I'm going to go with how about this? I'm going to give you uh something that the X-Men could be a part of and we could get something X-Men out of it uh and still get to Galactus. Um and that's a character called Onslaught. I don't know if you Onslaught. Know who Onslaught is. Yeah, but I mean to do Onslaught you have to do Xavier, you have to do Magneto. You got to do a lot to okay, get to Onslaught. Let's let's listen to me. Listen to this. What if we understand that um, the Fox universe is another universe? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying. And in this universe, things are different and changing. But Onslaught can be um, a multiversal being because yeah. he lives on an astral plane. You know, mm. so that t- that ties back into Legion. Even though I know that they're not part of the same canon, ah, that'd be great. But you're giving somebody a psychological thriller, and I don't know why you don't want to do it. Damn, you got the actors. You got every. Yeah. You got the best actor of uh, basically eighty percent of the best actors working for you. Let them get them. Get, allow them to do a little bit of work. Uh, you know, I really wish that they hadn't fucked the whole venom situation up so bad i would love everybody's talking about you know seeing deadpool in this universe i really wanted to see venom be part of this avengers verse you know and it's just it's a wrap now they fucked that up before it even got started i mean it's gonna work within the context of its own sony verse i know you 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 feel about venom the way i feel about shazam you haven't even seen shazam i mean i still feel some sort of way 
This right. episode is a true mess, man. Hey, man. Hey, Shazam. <clears throat> All right. Can Let's we... talk to him, man. Right. My beloved T-Rex says, grown man boss is something you got to deal with. So all of that collaborated, fabricated, it ain't going to equal up to this real shit. I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions about who I am, Facts. who you are, Facts. and so what we stand is, um, for. Let's talk to him. Yeah, bro. so in battle rap, you know what I'm saying? A lot of times someone is, you know, hitting you with the bravado or hitting you with the gun talk or hitting you with, you know, what they're about to do, their swag. But sometimes they just have a personal conversation, and that's called talk to them. Uh, so, yeah, so you want to get into some talks? What's, yeah, what man, are you, doing? you know, again, this is something I get a lot, right? I get a lot of flack from the Democrats uh, that know me. Um, and, you know, people from the podcast are like, oh, my God, man, you really go in on Democrats. I can't believe, like, are you a Republican? Well, so, yeah, let me say that. I am not a Republican. I am not a Democrat. I've never been either of those right uh in my adult life like that's i've never been a joiner i'm not a joiner you know uh, i talk a lot of commie shit i have a lot of respect for marks i have a lot of respect for leftists that have come up all around the world you know people like mao people like you know che and uh you know again anybody wants to make those arguments with me i'm willing to have them because these are human beings and they are not without flaws and i don't see any of these people as perfect people because none of these people are more important than their ideologies and what they try to represent for their people right that's where i'm at you know i'm not black lives matter though i got a lot of love for patrice and and all of those people that came up in that camp i'm not a joiner you know so, like, that's something you can never do. You can never link me to anybody. Be like, oh, he's just carrying water for these people. Because that ain't me, man. I follow the fucking truth as I understand it. And I understand that sometimes my truth ain't your truth. It don't have to be. Yeah, I came up um, working with, um, you know, like, the Obama campaign. Like, volunteering and shit like that. You know, I was always politically motivated. And I wanted to, like, better myself and, and you know, better the people around me. And I, like, went down that hole. And I, you start to challenge you know, certain things, especially, you know, because I'm Palestinian, you know, and one of the things that don't change based on uh, what president is in or out of office, the, the policy on Palestine doesn't really change. And I realized the policy on prisons don't really change. And what I started doing was going to protests. I don't know if you went to protests. Oh, oh, yeah, it definitely we, was. Okay, about So what happens is you start to meet a lot of people um, in the protests, and you start to build community. And a lot of times those people are community organizers, and they're incredible people. Like, I want to be very clear right now. I do not think I'm the smartest person in, 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 on the planet. I don't think uh, – I often don't like to be the smartest person in the room. Um, but the reason that I feel that way is because, you know, I was in the room with a lot of incredibly smart, talented people who started giving me the knowledge. And I understood that one of the most important things were, was the process of unlearning and unlearning all these different things. So when you talk about, you know, I don't like Democrats, it wasn't like a situation with you where you would, you had never claimed either one, you know, it was a slow painful death between me and my affiliation to right. being a, a democrat you know so i understand that feeling that people have when it's like well if they aren't the saviors then who do we got and the answer is kind of a dark one you know which is this is an uphill battle for everybody you right. know and we and we do this because we want to show you you can be joyous and have a good time we right. can talk about real serious political subjects and topics that can be controversial but we're trying to be genuine with you, so 
we can talk shit with, about Marvel, you know, because all of those things are po- important in our right. lives. You right. know what I mean? So we get to be multipolar people that are into lots of different things, and um, and it's important that we are lots of different things, you know. And 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 a Democrat and a Republican are not a lot of different things. No, not at all. They're I, a tiny fraction of ideologies that share something, and you know. I'm not. I'm not with that. I'm not like you said. Not. I'm a joiner, but I. I get to choose whatever club I want to join. I, yeah. I, I mean, again, man, always been a little hood kid, man. Until I was down in the country, bro. When I grew up in Chicago, was I was a Southsider, you know. It was mad fucking BGD, mad fucking folk, and I had relatives. It was on both sides of that. I never joined either one, and those are life and death situations. You know what I'm saying? Standing in the middle of the line. You know, we're with a razor blade. It's only two sides. You stand in the middle, you get cut the fuck up. You know, when I was down south, man, all of the cities I lived in, you know, it was like, hey, blood crip, you know, and I never joined. I mean, I can't say I had a whole lot of crip friends. I had a whole lot of blood friends and there was a whole lot of pressure to be part of it. But like, again, man, I was never a joiner. That wasn't my shit. And if that shit was life or death shit and not a hypothetical kind of fucking way, the peer pressure to become a Democrat or the peer pressure to become a Republican, that shit was always going to miss me. It was always going to miss me because it's like I can tell this shit is about popularity. And, like, I just remember a time when, like, the, people talk about, like, communist China or communist fucking Russia where, like, you have to be part of the official communist party. Why do I have to be either a Democrat or a Republican as opposed to voting for people who closely identify with my fucking beliefs. You know what I'm saying? Because I got to tell you, it's never Republicans, but also it's almost never Democrats. I can only think of a couple of Democrats that I ever could have held my nose and voted for. These people don't reflect my values. Their entire uh, objective, like you said, is to remain in power. So, do you um, have you been seeing a lot of the conversations surrounding gerrymandering? I'm sure you know. Do you have? Oh, any, absolutely. So you're watching um, politicians from both the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, kind of in this unholy pact of we're just going to create something that allows creating these districts. Yeah, when all this shit could be squashed by just using county line. That's what it is. This is the municipal jurisdiction. This is where we're going to drive our congressional districts from, based upon these county lines. This is why voting has very little significance to me because by the time that you bo- you go through all the hoops that vo- that voting puts you through um, you know you're in- incredibly misinformed about what your vote is doing and how it is handled and all these different things and they it's purposeful in that manner you can affect what they see and how difficult it is to do that thing and they're always going to control the things that they can control right um so that brings us to another thing right now one of the things you've heard us critique a lot especially in this podcast but all throughout the the nature of this season has been toxic masculinity right these are patriarchal systems as a dude i feel like it's on me to call out toxic masculinity anytime i see it and talk about the disruptive nature of patriarchy how it serves as a dis to disadvantage all of us men and women it cripples us in the same way when we're talking about systems it is important that if i'm talking about the ills of patriarchy that i can talk about the ills of white supremacy right being white is different from whiteness is different from white supremacy and a critique of white supremacy is not the same thing as critiquing white people you can critique white supremacy as a system that disadvantages all of us white people black people all people of color all humans that's not the same thing as hating white people yeah i think uh when you talk about um, patriarchy and, and uh, misogyny and how it affects so many people, including 
men, you know, including people right. who are patriarchy is destructive to men as well. Um, so when when we look, we have to look at, or I think how I look at it is, I have to unlearn all of these societal things that I've had to deal with. If we're gonna build a utopia, we have to we have to think about it like this, right? I think one of the things people fall into all the time is the tra- is the trap of nostalgia, and this is what Cheeto does so well: make America great again. Remember in the '40s, remember in the '50s. But the problem with, with nostalgia is one, it was never as good as you think it was, and two, often it was only good for a couple of people, right? In the '50s, life was great if you were a cishet white man. Or relatively, you had access to a better potential for greatness than me as a black person, right? Or as a woman. Can you imagine being queer in the 40s in America? It had to be hell. Much worse if you were poor. Much worse if you were disadvantaged. Much worse if you were black. Much worse if you were a woman. And you can just notch that all the way down. Yeah. So unlearning is an important tool. The best society that exists has not been invented yet. It's on all of us to think up new systems, to imagine new ways to organize ourselves as a society and not just to lean back on some some yesteryear golden era that we think was great. Because I promise you, it wasn't as great as you think and it probably wasn't even good for a lot of people. What I hear a lot is um, people who have conversations with, um, a lot of times people think you want too much. Like, oh, you know, that's not realistic. Um, you know, how can you think that that's never going to happen? That's not the way the world works. And I think something that uh, over the past few years I've understood is a lot of times being a revolutionary or uh, being, you know, anti-oppressive is just saying, I'm putting everything on the table. This is everything I want. Right. I don't want oppression here. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear. I want the people to be helped here. I want the people to be helped here, here. And we need to, like you said, Build a utopia. There's no reason we can't have it. Right. We have automation. We have um, uh, irrigation. We have uh, – think about what we can do with um, energy. There's so many things that we're being held back from because we can live in a utopia. But the only way that's going to happen is – A radical can, reimagination. Not just of everything but also of self. Of self. And if it starts with self. Yeah, you have to look within first, you know, and you understand that all the – everyone is oppressed. Everyone has some form of oppression on them in some capacity. But like you said, it's the, the intersectionality, the, 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 the race theory, all these different things are just ways that we can look through this and empathy and compassion, like the ability to say – these people are going through something every day, not just celebrities, not just, you know, times where, you know, we weep and we talk about something should happen when, you know, people are dying every day at, at all moments. And it's just important that we're trying to seek joy through that. But, you know, it still weighs on you, especially, you know, when uh, when you don't know how to answer some questions. Right. So one of the things that we've been doing, man, we building a fucking society and y'all are helping and we really appreciate your love. We appreciate the fact that you're listening. We appreciate your shares. Continue to share, man. We're the opposite of Fight Club. Talk about it. Share it. Have these conversations with your friends. This is free game, which is something that almost never happens in capitalism because we always taught that that knowledge has value and, you know, the game is to be sold, not told. All of this is free. We're giving it to you because we want all of these conversations to be happening. We're just two voices in this conversation. But, hey, everywhere you see us, comment. Give us your love. You see us on iTunes, man, jump in there. Say what you think about the with the podcast. Some people going to love it. Some people going to hate it. 
It is what it is, man. But we all out. Please understand. Don't none of us think we got the ultimate answers. We out here trying to find the answers, and you're part of that. Yeah, that's facts. Uh, do we got um? You got any shout outs? Shout outs and fuck yous always, man. All right. Always. Now it's time. Okay. To say goodbye to all them fucked up friends. <laughs> Yo, fuck you to Bill Mayer, man. Mar. Mar. Bill Mar. Fuck you to Bill Mar. If you're gonna say fuck him, you gotta pronounce his name. Man, that's what it is. All right, who you got? Who you fuck? Who you fucking? I got no fuck uses. Oh, well, I got much more. Okay, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna yield the floor. Man, fuck you to all the internet trolls. You know that's the thing, man. When you grow up in the hood and you like grow up in a place where like motherfuckers really do get shot, and then niggas be on like the internet like talking reckless as fuck. Like I come from a land where niggas pull the fuck up, bro. Like I, you know, hey, shout out to all you fucking e thugs, man. Fuck y'all. Uh, fuck you to Michael Avenatti. You know, you had a chance to really be something, man. And instead, you out there extorting all of these people that are relying upon your services. Fuck you to Nancy Pelosi for standing in the way of progress. You know what I'm saying? Keeping cats from really trying to make change from within that corrupt-ass party. You know what I'm saying? My shout-outs. I know you got some shout-outs. I just want to give a big shout-out to... um just all my people that love me, man. All the people that are constantly, you know, on my Instagram showing me love when it comes to the podcast or the music. You know, people who, um, you know, everybody that came to our little party that we had the other day, you know, like, we we really out here, man, with the people every day. And yeah, they bring me so much joy. And uh, How you a leader, but you can't walk through the people? Not facts, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, how are you? Yeah, damn, that's a good one right there. But, yeah, you got to be with the people, man. All the people that I respect. They always amongst the community, man. Grassroots organizations. People always ask me, like, well, what should I donate to? You know, how should, how can I help? Grassroots organizations. Facts. People that are with the people. So, okay, a big shout-out to grassroots organizations. Man. Not necessarily nonprofits, you know what right, I mean? Right, 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 right. But this is not the time for that place. This is for shout-outs. Um, I want to give a big shout-out to, uh, you know, I love watching the UFC, man. Israel Adesanya. Nigerian-born. Yeah, boy! Man, just, he he uh, won the interim belt, man. We got two Nigerian champs. He did uh, that work, boy. Yeah, and it was just a great fight, man. It really and, was. Um, you know, I love consensual fighting, man. I'm, t- yeah, <laughs> I'm totally is, into it that. Is, yeah, it is. Yo, shout-out to Ilhan Omar, man. She's the only person in Congress that I know of that straight-up called Stephen Miller a fucking white supremacist. And that's ball, that's bones, man. Yeah, she just continues she's to be the truth, bro. For real, man. She's actually more raw than fucking than AOC. She's my number one right number now. Number one. She's I, my number one in a while. I'm I really ready, man. Her. I will hold my nose and vote Democrat if if Ilhan runs now, facts. in 2024, man. FBI. I mean, Alphabet. You listening to this? Hey, y'all just do y'all job and y'all protect that congressperson who yeah. is serving her country. Yeah, facts. Serving her fucking country. Yo, shout out to motherfucking Jimmy Carter. That's right, Jimmy Carter for like being really the last Whoa. respectable Democrat. A person that has like spent his life going around and watch. I mean, again, he's not perfect because no one gets to be a perfect man to become the president. You know what I'm saying? But this is a person who has spent his entire life going around the world, monitoring, you know, elections all around. Did was one of the first people to speak on Venezuela. Yeah. Was the only American president to call Israel, you know, out on apartheid policies way before it was the cool thing. I think he was the first person to do it. Um, and then recently, you know, again, calling in an American president and being like, hey, bro. If you're wondering where the growth is, ask yourself where all these wars have been. What could we have done with it? He straight up brought up the high-speed rail in China, too. I thought that was fascinating, saying, 
Three trillion dollars wasted in war would have revitalized American infrastructures, which is something you and I have been saying. But to have someone that was the president say it, that's absolutely fascinating. And I got to tip my hat to that man for that. Also, you know, he does a lot of work for Habitat for Humanity. That sounds pretty tight, That's an old ass dude out there building fucking homes and shit, man. That's... That, he a real one for real, bro. You know, when we talked about Bubba Sparks last podcast, you know, he has a line about Jimmy Carter. Oh, uh, what's the line? You know, it's like, um, uh, uh, we love some Jimmy Carter, but we never even voted, you know? Yeah. But if facts. he said it, you know we'd quote facts. it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hashtag Bubba Sparks, most underrated white rapper in history. <laughs> Yo, exit the matrix. You know we can be found in all of the normal places. We can be found in Stitcher, uh, iTunes, Facebook, uh, Spotify, Twitter, uh, Instagram. Yeah, you know email Google us too. Store. It's just yeah, like awesome real spiel. Like we actually do know that we kind of picking up a little bit of a following here, and it's pretty cool. But, like, reach out to us in any capacity. Facts. On some real shit, like, especially with stuff that you try and hear. Yo, hashtag shit that you hear, man. Yeah, hashtag exit the matrix. Any questions you have for us that you want to see us talk about specifically on there, feel free to hashtag us on Facebook, hashtag us on, on Twitter, any of the places, We're trying man. to build with the community on some real shit, bro. We like, we like heavy in D.C. right now, and, like... We just want to let you know, like, we're rocking with all the people out here. and like Of the people, for know, the people, facts, by the people. Facts. I can walk through any hood in America. That's what it is. You're a bad motherfucker, man. I mean, I'm actually a good dude. <laughs> <laughs> Exit the Matrix. Yeah.